Thank you for joining this month's Fifth Step podcast with Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray. In this podcast, we ask the question, how is the role of the CIO changing? Now, according to a new Harvey Nash and KPMG survey, the influence of CIOs is growing. Uh, But if that's the case, how are their priorities changing? Darren, over to you. Thanks, Chris. Um, So there's a number of ways that they're growing. And we'll, during the course of this podcast, we'll talk about a few statistics, but we'll try not to um, be constantly quoting statistics. But there's a, there's a few that are interesting from this Harvey Nash um, survey. And if you're interested, um, those listening to the podcast, um, in getting hold of a copy of this survey, there's a link on our uh, website um, alongside the, uh, the, the link to the podcast um, so you can download it for yourself. Okay, so the CIO priorities and how they're changing. So one of the key aspects of how the CIO role is changing is that um, increasingly they're reporting to the CEO um, and a number of them are on the board as well. So 34% now uh, report to the CEO and 57% now sit on the board. This is a massive change and a massive reflection of the influence or change in the influence of the CIO, who historically is always uh, reported through to a CFO or the COO, um, not necessarily reporting through to the CEO. So it's a big change. Now, the way I see this is actually this is a a reflection in the work that the CIO has been doing or the role of the CIO um, and people, um, you know, key people within that role have been doing. So they've increased their sphere of influence. They've got closer to the business function. Um, and actually, I think it's also a breakdown in that term, mm. even. Uh, the You know, there isn't the divide between IT and the business or there perhaps still is a divide, but there's not as much of a divide. And I think the most successful CIOs these days are actually those who are spending more and more of their time in what they would have historically uh, considered to be the business. And you know, we're advising the CIOs that we're working with to spend you know, 20, 25% of their time on non-IT um, uh, business functions, um, so spreading their wings beyond the um, you know beyond the normal bounds of IT. Well, apparently, yeah, they've gone into the server. They spend one day per week outside of IT. So I guess it's becoming more important now, from a CIO perspective, to understand the business strategy a lot more cl- closely than you did before. Yeah, absolutely is, and um, I think that's uh, that's developed um, because. Um, the CIO has been um, been bitten, let's say, um, or uh, ha- experienced a, a difficulty in having the business express um, their business strategy in, in, in clear terms and sometimes being able to translate that between the two. So increasingly now what's happening is the CIO is working directly with their business peers and partners and actually developing that strategy with them in an alignment with them so they're part of the business team creating the strategy as opposed to they're historically reporting to the CFO and not getting involved in these things until you know the strategy flows downhill in your experience i mean you you obviously deal with CIOs every day and and CEOs so um you know have you got any examples of where a CIO recently or over the last 12 months has helped uh, to form a business strategy working with the executive board. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, um, in fact, there's one, uh, um, there's one example that springs immediately to mind where there was a, a new um, CIO was brought into the organisation. Um, we we worked with that CIO. We worked with um, the organisation. Um, we worked um, 
closely with how how the um, how the shape how the CIO was actually going to um, uh, develop and adjust the uh, the strategy, and um, you know this, both the CIO and us were approaching things in a very very similar way, mm-hmm. um, and that increased the amount of. Um, IT and business interaction, not just at the CIO level either, which is very important, but actually um, uh, at the uh, the lower level as well. So there was more IT and business integration, um, you know, in the uh, not just in the support teams where you'd expect people to be talking, but at all levels within um, within IT. Now, what resulted from that, what we believe has resulted in that, is a far stronger, more aligned IT aligned and business aligned. Uh, business strategy and the IT strategy is far stronger and is supported by the uh, the business strategy in a way that this organisation has never been able to do previously. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, if if you were say a twenty two year old or twenty three year old graduate um, today thinking about going into embarking on a profession in, in you know information technology or you know with, with an eye on becoming a CIO in the future. Uh, I mean, how would you be advising them to, you know, advance their qualifications and their knowledge of business? I mean, would you, is it, are there more CIOs, for example, maybe taking up master's degrees or anything like that? Or is, is that is that a route to take? Or is it going into a business and getting, you know, experience before you become a CIO? Well, actually, um, it's quite interesting, Chris, that more and more CIOs are not coming from the traditional uh, the traditional route. More and more CIOs are actually coming from within the business because mm. it's recognised as a an executive role, a management role. And whilst a good understanding of IT is important, it's not as important as it was historically. It's not the be all and end all now. I mean, no, 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 that's right. That's right. And so you are seeing people who are, um, you know, perhaps coming from um, the accounting or the operations um, side of the business, actually turning into uh, your chief information officers. Um, and and taking that route and yeah. and that assists IT uh, because it gives someone who's um, very knowledgeable about the business and the direction of the business and the operations of the business helps um, IT understand that and understand that they're an integral part of a modern organisation, not a supplier to the business, which was you know certainly a a 1990s yeah. um, a view of the world. You know, business there was business and there was IT. In that sort of environment, I imagine if a CIO, you, know, you need to have your some level of technical expertise and knowledge of what the latest developments in the world of technology uh, and, uh, and IT. Uh, but at the same time, if you're saying, say, 20% of your role is very much business aligned and the rest of it, you know, whatever the number is, and the rest of it is IT aligned, that must mean that you become very stretched in terms of like the amount of time that you have. The ability, your, your ability to focus on different strands of the CEO, CIO will. How do you, how do you, you know, how do you cope with that? Do you, how do you develop your project management skills, or do you work with other people to help you delegate? And it's um, in all fairness, Chris. It's probably a combination of all of those. Yeah. It, some some of it depends on the individual. So it's an individual management style and approach. Um, obviously, um, you know, delegation and having a um, you know, a good team or a good um, supplier to help and support you in some of those things is important and um, uh, and really does help. Um, but very much it can be, you know, if you've got a good team around you, if you've got a strong team around you, then some of that is actually about 
you know, bringing them up so that they can support you more and, su- and supporting them. Normal management and, um, you know, uh, talent um, development and people development. That's a key issue, stuff. isn't it? I mean, you know, talent retention is a massive concern. Uh, I think, you know, we don't want to go too much into the statistics, but nine, apparently, you know, nine-tenths of CEOs are actually very concerned about talent retention. I mean, why is that? Why is that happening? I, I think um, IT is a um, is always a sought-after skill. It's a... Um, it's often seen to be a, um, a very transferable skill. You know, yeah. whether, um, you know, if you've got um, someone who's um, uh, a technical person in IT, it doesn't really matter whether they are uh, working in uh, financial services or in retail or in other sectors, very often their skills will be transferable because it's the aspect of IT that has historically been the, uh, the common factor. That's still the case uh, today. Mm. So um, so for ambitious uh, people or for motivated people, and sometimes that motivation is ambition, sometimes it's purely financial, sometimes it's other factors too, um, there are roles, um, you know, roles out there or, or companies out there who are willing to, um, you know, um, attract the, the the right people and good people. So how, how is a uh, female representation holding up in this this market? I mean, I, I guess in the past, you know, this this area has traditionally been considered, if not a male preserve, I mean, it's certainly been heavily male dominated. Is female representation on CIO boards is that is that going up? Um, it, it's okay. So you're you're completely right that um, female representation within IT is still. Um, very, um, you know, very low. I think the survey, um, yeah, the, so looking at the, the statistics here, it says that it's at 9% in 2016, up from 6%. Those figures to me um, uh, ring a little bit low. I think it's perhaps a little bit higher than that. Yeah. Um, it does vary from organisation to organisation, but this survey has good, um, you know, has uh, good credibility in that uh, there was over... Well, know, three and a half thousand yeah. people nearly replied. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So it has good credibility from that perspective. So in my experience, I think it's a little bit higher than the 9% mark, um, but not nearly um, high enough. I think there's a great deal of work to be done there, but I think that's probably going to be a generational aspect. Yeah, What sure. does actually help, though, um, you know, certainly at the senior level, at the CIO level, is that um, this cross-fertilisation from other areas that have been uh, perhaps less male-dominated, um, you know, the operations and, um, you know, the finance areas. And, you know, even um, some uh, some organisations I've heard that of um, HR people transitioning across. That's a less common transition, but I have heard of um, organisations doing that. But in that transition, you um, uh, there are then greater opportunities for um, that um, that increase in female representation. Okay, interesting. In terms of uh, people you know, bringing people in from different sort of um, areas or sectors or parts of an organisation, you mentioned HR, but I imagine you know with the importance of uh, data, certainly in financial services or insurance companies, becoming so uh, significant and played up in the, in the various trade media. I imagine now people going to data analytics or you know um, those those kind of areas that could be a, a path or a route to becoming the CIO. Oh, absolutely. So I I, I think these days the path to a uh, to becoming a CIO is um, 
is far more wide and varied because, as I said, you can come from a finance route and ultimately end up in the CIO uh, path or operations or um, or from IT. Um, so I think there are many, uh, many, many different paths. No chance of a PR man becoming a CIO like myself. No, I, no, no, Chris, no, no. I, I, I don't think so quite <laughs> no, yet. I don't okay. think the world's quite ready for that kind of CIO <laughs> quite yet. Um, so, I, um, yeah, I think that uh, the... The path is wide and varied. So, you know, to go back to your earlier question, you know, for a um, for a, a graduate looking, yeah. um, you know, with their eyes on the CIO position, you know, I think the the, the key aspects still remain um, consistent. You know, look at um, you know look at what the CIO does. So they have to have good management skills. They have to be able to juggle a number of uh, different priorities. They have to be able to translate between you know business and IT uh, priorities and be able to manage the stakeholders and you know have their team manage those stakeholders. So mm. a good understanding of projects and project process. Yes. Good understand of understanding of management and leadership, and. Yes, an understanding of um, you know the technical aspects and uh, you know the the benefits of um, you know service A over service B or indeed you know running it in house or developing your own um, in house um, capabilities. Yeah. All of those things, um, you know, someone has to be able to weigh up the benefits, um, but it always has to be weighed up, um, you know, against the business strategy and against the benefits to the business, and that's no longer just a. Um, an IT-led uh, preserve these days, mm-hmm. which is why there's a, the cross-pollination taking place. I suppose the, the other area that's going to become key now is dealing with the digital side of the business. Uh, mm. And this is an area that uh, I think the survey mentions that, that you need to have far more digital strategies than you would previously. Um, how, how, how do you start applying knowledge in that area? Yeah, I mean, digital is one of those areas that's, um, that varies greatly between uh, between sectors, but most organisations, um, um, most sectors understand that there is the the capability and the capacity for digital disruption. Um, what I mean by that is um, an organisation that uh, doesn't have to have the um, the bricks and mortar or the legacy uh, baggage that um, you know the present incumbent has to have. So I take the example, uh, the well understood example of Amazon. So Amazon uh, came in, um, you know, and got rid of, you know, largely um, or greatly impacted Waterstone uh, or Waterstone's uh, business um, by becoming, you know, the go-to place to order books. And, you know, what's more, you can order them today. They'll be delivered to your home tomorrow or or your office tomorrow and and very, very convenient. So what does that mean for uh, other sectors? Um, So there's that complete understanding of what the digital disruption and capabilities um, are but there's also the soft the softer side if you like of um, digital engagement you know um, getting getting closer to your clients um, you know whether they be b2b clients um, you know they're still made up of individuals um, so actually being able to get closer to your clients through social media campaigns you know understanding facebook um, which is appropriate for some sectors less so for sure. um, for others but yeah. um, understanding social media um, getting closer to that, but enabling the business to be innovative um, in its approach in a modern um, modern way, uh, which will definitely include digital. Well, some phrasing that stands out for me here in this survey is talking about where they t- where they talk about an enterprise wide digital strategy. Yes. Now, I mean, it sounds impressive, but. Um, what is it, and how, how do you develop an enterprise-wide digital strategy? It's a it, well, it's a definite process you have to go through. But the interesting aspect of this is 
it's perhaps um, in some instances the um, the poster child to use that phrase, but the poster child for um, the the IT and business areas coming together. Um, you know this convergence, and actually, sure. you know the marketing and the and the PR side, Chris. To you know to you know this is, this perhaps is the avenue where you um, where oh, you come yeah, into yeah, the, the CIO had, role. We add value uh, somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's not go too far. Um, the but. Uh, that area where people come together yeah. um, and can actually then turn what the the business strategy um, uh, you know take that slice out that that, that needs the uh, the outreach to their uh, their clients and you know the pulling of the information back in and the the, the statistics yeah. if I can say that word um, you're pulling that information back in um, getting that engagement back from uh, from from clients or potential clients, um, you know, that can actually adjust the direction of a co- uh, of a company sometimes. Uh, well, adjust. I mean, adjust let's let's go into that. I mean, adjusting the the, the direction of the company because I think pro- probably the, the the key thing that comes out of the survey um, is the fact that the um, you know, CEOs now uh, their focus is on IT projects that make money as opposed to to save yeah. money. Uh, and they're very heavily focused in that direction. I think it's up to nearly two thirds. Yes. Uh, so that's that's the, the bottom line, literally the bottom line, isn't it? So how can the CIO with support from people like yourself or internally, how does they do that? So uh, there's a there's a number of ways that they can go about that. Um, I think the, you know the the first thing to say about this change though is it's the change from just making efficiency changes, um, yep. you know, making IT more efficient, making the business more efficient, to actually starting to starting to transition more into the growth uh, phase again. This is good news for the economy. It's good news for you know business as a as a whole that CEOs uh, are directing their CIOs in this direction. So how do we help? Um, you know, how does Fifth Step help organisations make that transition yeah. and start to look at that? Typically, when you're moving through uh, this this stage, it's where your um, skills, capabilities, and capacity um, within your team really start to get stretched because they're getting pushed in different directions. They've been honed and trained in the areas of making you know software efficiencies over you know software and IT efficiencies over the last. Um, you know, five uh, plus years. Um, now we're actually saying, oh, well, now we're going to develop new products and we're going to expand in this way and we're going to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not all organisations have got that p- those pent up skills and uh, and capacity. So we're actually helping organisations um, grow in that area, either by um, mentoring and helping those um, you know those people within the IT team to yeah. to to grow and to understand um, the, the the world as it's evolving and changing. Or to actually backfill some of the people who are actually there uh, providing that, who have got that capability. So actually backfilling them, making sure that we're in there. But a large amount of what we're doing is working with the CIOs, um, Mm. actually helping them be innovative, um, helping them understand their business application landscape and the possibilities and and potential within their... um, It seems to me, as somebody comes from this to a certain extent, slightly outside of of the, of the, 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 the CIO world, but it seems to me a lot of what you're talking about here is actually, uh, you know, looking to unlock uh, CIOs' latent, you know, creativity. Is that, isn't it a lot of this about making them more creative? So, isn't it? It could be actually a much more a fascinating job. I mean, it's traditionally, Absolutely. you know, we're talking about a 23-year-old who might think a CIO, jo- a CIO job is about you know, achieving efficiencies in IT infrastructure. But in reality... You could be plugged into every single side of the business. It could be a really interesting role to be in. It's a very interesting role, um, you know, Chris. Um, you know, um, obviously, I'm not. 
quite 23, so my my view um, is slightly different to that uh, to that individual. But even though you're 35, yeah, <laughs> thanks very much, Chris. So you know there is a it is a very fascinating and developing, continually developing role. You know, but you know understanding the the organisation, its target operating model, its business strategy, its yeah. um, you know its tactical um, requirements. It does take creativity. It does take innovation. And I think that's really what um, other parts of the business are recognizing in their CIOs. That m- many CIOs are actually very good at uh, creative problem solving and creative solution making. You know, that that's a large part yeah. of um, you know, the IT space. And actually taking that creativity um, you know mashing it up with the creativity and the and the knowledge that exists in the rest of the the business is a very very strong uh, mixture and recipe for success Are you saying this is all part of the CIO mashup the CIO <laughs> mashup yeah there we go but it's well it's interesting as well because this touches on this this is the opportunity um, but the risk the downside risk facing the CIO is of course that there are some extremely creative people out there looking to try and disrupt the business, aren't they? And these guys are called they're hackers, really. Um, I mean, well, some, some of these guys or, or girls are, are called hackers. Um, how, you know, how, how do you combat that threat? Is creativity, you know, do you have to be more creative now than you were, say, even two, two years ago? I think, um, you, you know, um, addressing um, the cybersecurity um, aspect <clears throat> is, a, you know, is an ongoing challenge. You know, we've spoken before about how the... The role of the um, the chief information security officer and the CIO and those responsible for cyber security, um, it's a constantly evolving landscape. You know, and unlike many other risks that businesses face, the um, cyber risk is constantly evolving because people yeah. are forcing the evolution, creative people, as you say. So um, being creative in that respect, um, you know, is um, is is good but actually a large part of what organizations need to do is perhaps be not less creative in in respect to that but have good processes procedures right. policies that are well understood um get the training you know get people um uh, with good awareness make it interesting you know i wrote a piece um just recently about um you know the about cyber security fatigue where people are so bored with um, cyber security and feel that it's inevitable that they or their organization are going to be hacked no matter what they do that actually it doesn't really you know they doesn't really matter right, they just really. Uh, they're just fatigued with it so actually making sure that you're um, showing the wins you know um, showing where you're actually beating these hackers away and that you know you're getting you know if a thousand hackers are knocking on your door every day that uh, and you know none of them are getting in that actually start demonstrating that and showing that to um, you know to the community can really help but a large part of the you know the the cyber security stuff is just going back to the basics that we've said before Mm. good policies good processes good procedures and make sure when you're doing change, when you're implementing this creative change, that cybersecurity is part and parcel of your project and your implementation project. Well, it all comes under the you know the area of that managing the, the technology function, doesn't it? But in, in terms of the way, you know, the shape of technology functions is changing. Um, but does that mean that along with that change, that there's you know, IT budgets need to increase? Are you see are you seeing that there's people that organisations are going down that line? Or would you say, or are people looking for more sort of flexible 
options that help to help them cope with change. I think I think organisations are seeing an increase in in their budget, but I think the in their IT budget. But I link that back to the fact that it's being um, uh, that it's being driven by um, the uh, the revenue orientated projects. Um, so the um, because the CEO is saying, okay, I don't want efficiencies anymore. I want in, you know I want revenue. I want increased products and uh, and, sure. and and things like that. People are willing to spend more money to actually um, uh, make more money. Um, so I think um, some of those increases are actually caveated and driven by um, increases in revenue. That's certainly um, certainly the way that we see. Um, see the world panning out and the CIOs and the CEOs that we're working with um, you know the major projects that they're working on uh, and requesting and have planned even for you know uh, for 2017 is very much orientated uh, and, and prefaced on that. In terms of you know a lot of the, the work you do, you do it's, uh, it's with financial services organizations or insurance companies uh, increasingly hedge funds but are there you know um, leaders you know CIO leaders in other sectors whether it's retail or computing, travel, or I don't know, where you know there are examples of best practice, maybe where you think the insurance industry could learn from. Yeah, there is, Chris. I think it flows both ways because, um, unsurprisingly, hackers, uh, for example, um, um, you know, they don't really mind whether they uh, they are attacking a financial services company or a retail company. You know, it depends on their motivations. Um, as to why they why they're attacking, um, you know whether it's purely financial, they might you know try and target a bank. If it's for other reasons, they might um, you know target a, yeah. another sector. So I think the uh, I think there's lots of learnings and there's lots of crossovers. And with the non financial services companies, you know as you said, we work with you know um, uh, hedge funds, asset managers, um, you know um, uh, you know banks, insurance companies, reinsurance companies, brokers, all of those kinds of people. Sure. Um, but with the non-financial services sectors that we work with, you know, in, in law and the retail and all those kind of things, um, all of them have the same challenges. Right. You know, um, yeah. so these statistics here that we're, you know, um, uh, that we've been talking about today, these aren't for a specific sector. This is this is cross sector. Yeah. So the, the threats and risks uh, are facing and the role of the CIO is changing you know, across, you know, as a, as a, as a movement, as opposed to, um, you know, just within any one particular sector. So, yes, I definitely say that, uh, um, that there are things that organisations can learn from cross sector, things that the financial services can learn from other sectors, definitely things that other sectors can learn from uh, the experiences in financial services. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's covered off quite a lot of interesting and, and uh, thought provoking stuff. So thanks, Darren. Uh, Brilliant as usual. Really interesting talking to you. Um, so, and if you'd like to learn more about Fifth Step uh, or any of the uh, you know, the other current thinking or their other current thinking, uh, please visit www.fifthstep.com. But until next time, I hope you all the, all the listeners out there had a good time listening to this. And thanks again. Thanks, Chris.